Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. say to all of our guests, we welcome you. Amen. Good to have Brother McLaurin with us. Amen. So so glad to have you and your family. We're so thankful to have them um, from Indiana and uh, his son's a church planner. He's a uh, minister and a Soul winner. We're so glad to have them all the way here from Indiana. Amen. We're so glad you're here. And we're the Ben sister Kimmy Steeroff and their family. We're so glad their family's with them today. We're so glad to see you all. I know they're happy that you're here with them. Would you welcome them here today? And any of our guests, we're so thankful that you you have come and pray that the Lord will, will bless you abundantly. In, in, his, in his word. I believe God wants to do something in this room today. Look at your neighbor and say, God's getting ready to do something great in your life. Amen, amen. Why don't you turn around and smile at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Praise God. It's good to see the people of God and the family of God. And tonight's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's awesome. All of our families go up to Dillon State Park. We do it once a year, and on a Sunday night, we go up there and we eat real good. And you, you look, families riding bikes together, and you look over. There's, a, there's a, some some people playing tennis. Somebody else throwing kids are running around playing football. Somebody else playing basketball. Somebody's throwing cornhole. Somebody just sitting in a chair with something to drink, and there's a fire going on in the fire pit, and eating barbecue and brownies. Uh, honey, have you made those triple chocolate Ghirardelli brownies? That's what I'm, I'm on. We're going to have to get there. we got to get some brownies going. Amen. It's a good meal with brownies at the end of Can I get a witness from some believers in the building? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Joshua chapter 3. And thankful that I feel what I feel right now. I really do. And some of you are are at the threshold of something great. And I just feel like preaching and teaching you today how to get there. And look at your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. Amen. Joshua chapter 3, verse 13. And it shall come to pass. Somebody say amen. amen. As soon as the soles of thy feet. I preached about feet last week. Y'all remember that? I talked about even preaching in flip-flops. Y'all remember that. You didn't think it was funny, but I did. I, beautiful feet of them to preach the gospel. Why? Because they've been somewhere. They've got some good news. They're going to carry it. But I'm talking to you today. He said, as soon as the soles of thy feet, of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, 
that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above because water flows down. That means the source of where it's come from is going to stop and they shall stand up on a heap. That means that the water is just going to come up like a wall. And it says, and it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the, before the people. And as they bear the ark, they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Somebody say, just the brim. I wish somebody looked at your neighbor and said, your feet's about to get wet. Amen. Why? Why? Why the brim? Because for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. It's in the embankment of the river. But during harvest season, it flows into the fields. Everywhere you go, there's shallow ends to walk in. Praise God. I preached a message a few years ago here, talked about the shallow end of the pool, ankle deep miracles. And he said, when you put your feet in it, he said, something's gonna happen. Verse 16, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up a heap of very far from the city of Adam. That is beside uh, Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off and the people passed over right against Jericho. What it was saying was this, the waters that were coming from above stopped. And the waters that were there flowed on out. Verse 17 says, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. One study says that there was a span of 30 feet uh, not 30 feet, 30 miles wide of dry land. 30 miles wide. I'm talking about when God does something big, He does it big. Praise God. All you that read those little children's picture Bibles and you saw a little narrow path about as big as that aisle crossing the Red Sea. How many remember that? I mean, it's only about as wide as the room. You can't get three and a half million across that one night. Can't do it. But how many know when He did it, even at the Jordan River, it was a big deal. They said it was 30, some studied 30 miles wide. How can me stepping into ankle deep water create such a vast miracle? Because there is a principle in you taking a first step. There's a principle in the knowledge of God, the way that God operates. When you do what he's asked you to do, and he never asked us to do anything big. He just asked us to take small steps. Do you believe that? And if you'll do what you can do, he's gonna do what he can do. Praise God. Would you clap your hands and thank God for his word? Amen. You may be seated. I, I have watched through scripture people that took small steps. How many's ever heard the term, you need to take a step of faith? You ever heard that? Look at your neighbor and say, take a step of faith. What in the world does that mean? What does it mean to take a step of faith? When you, you look at the significance of, of taking a step, we, we see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see Jesus in the New Testament that has 10 lepers that come to him and said, Master, 
and called upon him. And he said to them, the ten lepers, go show yourself to the priest. And what would happen? They would be healed, the lepers. How many know in the scripture that's exactly what they did? I won't get into the theological reason for going to the priest, but that's what he said to do. And when they, the Bible says, when they went on their way, they were healed. Leprosy left them. Leprosy left them. All they did was just start walking in the direction he said to go and Jesus healed their bodies. That's not a hard thing to do. Just walk toward the priest. How many know out of the 10, only one returned to give him thanks and when he thanked him for healing him of leprosy, the Bible says he made him whole. Meaning his nose that was tore off, ears, toes, fingers, whatever leprosy had done, he got it all back. And I want you to know today, we at the anchor believe not only will God heal you, but he can restore everything that you've lost. We believe in restoration. We believe God restoring people. You don't have to limp to heaven because of something that happened yesterday in your heart, in your childhood. How many believe God can make you whole today? He can heal every fiber of your body, every part of your mind and spirit. But the principle was, it wasn't good enough for him to just speak it. They had to walk in it. You go back to Abraham, Father Abraham, we call him, and we used to sing, him, sing about him in Sunday school. How many remember that? Father Abraham had many sons. But you'll find that Abraham had this prophetic touch on his spirit. God had already told him. He had said to Abraham, he said, I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna bless those that bless you. I'm gonna curse those that curse you. You're gonna have children and stars of heaven and you're gonna, a nation's gonna come out of you. And all these wonderful things. And, and, but he goes on and he says, after Lot had departed from him, he said to him in verse 14 of Genesis 13, he said, and the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift your eyes, everybody, lift up. He said, lift up your eyes and look from the place where there are, where you are. You've got to learn to lift your eyes from where you are and start realizing where you're going. Sometimes in life, we're dealing with chaos situations, pain, distress, and we think it's a final destination. In those moments, you gotta lift your eyes toward the hills, which come with your help and realize, this is not my final destination. I'm coming out of this place and I'm going on to where God wants me to be. He didn't say walk to the valley of the shadow of death. He said, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm coming out of this valley. I'm coming out of this wilderness. Somebody say amen. He said, look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed also be numbered but he didn't stop there in verse 17 he said arise what does it say next he said walk through the land in the length of it in the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee I'm saying to you 
Why in the world would he say walk in it when he prophesied to him he's going to have it? Because the principle of first steps is this. You just can't live on a prophecy. You've got to go after it. You've got to put your feet on it. You've got to go in the direction of it. Amen. You can't sit down and wait on it. You've got to put your feet, your soul got to land in it. And say, if he said it, it will happen. Can you shout amen? Praise the name of the Lord. David makes a declaration in the Psalms and he says something like this. He said, he said, um, over Edom will I cast out my shoe. Over Edom will I cast, don't take your shoe off, amen. It might not be. He said, over Edom will I cast out my shoe. He said, Moab is my wash pot, talking about his heritage because of his great-grandmother who was, David's great-grandmother, who was Ruth the Moabitess. He said, Moab is my wash pot. You know what a wash pot is. Everybody, yeah, you ever, how many's ever been washing dishes? I wash dishes. I'm a deer hunter too, amen. How many's ever washed dishes and then you start looking at the water and the water's so dirty, you're like, I need to change the water because it's, it's the wash pot. You know, it's got all the floating mashed potatoes and whatever. Yeah, are y'all with me? Yeah, and you're like, I got to clean the water out because it's washed. David, David was saying Moab was my wash pot. It's dirty. It's, I come from a filthy place. He said, Felicity, I triumph because of thee. But he goes on and makes this thing, over Edom will I cast out my shoe. What in the world was he talking about? He's talking about Edom, who was the descendants of Saul, that when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, out of bondage, and when they're coming to the promised land, the first thing they fought, came against was where? Mount Seir. Who were they? They were the Edomites. They were the descendants of Saul. And they said, can we come through the land and get a drink of water? They said, no, you can't come through the land. You gotta go around us. You can't, you, you can't. No, you, we're not even gonna give you a drink of the water. They were jealous of who they were. And so they held them at a distance. And you'll find later that Edom, Edom goes, I don't have time to talk about Edom, but Edom goes all the way through scripture. It's a, it's a never ending battle. Edomites were an undying enemy. They, they carry all the way in the New Testament. You'll find that even, even Herod and Agrippa, they were all of Edomite stock. Always something between you and your promise, between you and your prophecy. How many's ever had a word from the Lord, but like you just standing there and there's a wall, there's an obstacle between you and that. So when they come out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, and what do they face? They face the Edomites and they have to go around. But what, you, what you'll find is between you and your miracle, you and a word from the Lord. How many's ever had a word from the Lord? But it seemed like there was something opposing you. And, and brother, brother Corey, you're gonna be Edom just for a minute. You, you, that's your promised land. And uh, no, that's my promised land. You're gonna be my enemy, amen. You're gonna be Edom. David had this thought. This is this, he said, over Edom will I cast out my shoe. Over the thing that's in front of me. Why would he say over Edom will I cast out my shoe? What in the world does a shoe have to do with any promises? Except that when his great grandmother came from Moab into Bethlehem, that Boaz made a contract for her. And the contract, when he found out, he asked the elders, does anybody want to take her? She, she's a widow. Anybody want to take her in the land? And nobody did. But he was the near kinsman. And he took his shoe off and gave it to the elders of the city, meaning she's going to be my bride and I get the land that goes with her. 
you know, how many has ever bought a house or something? You got to sign all these papers. I mean, you, you, your wrist is tired by the time you got to do all that. Contract. But that day, it wasn't a written contract. It was a mirror you take off your shoe. And it was a, it was a, it was a concept or a principle that it belongs to me. And he made a covenant with his shoe. So Boaz's great-grandson that goes all the way down by the name of David, he understood Edom always stands between you and what God has promised you. There's this obstacle. There's this enemy. David makes a declaration. You might be in front of me, but I'm coming over you. And he throws the shoe over saying, you're opposing me, but I'm claiming my promise. I'm putting the sole of my shoe on that promise. You might fight me, but I'm getting there. I am going to. Thank you. Hallelujah. I'm not sitting over there. I'm not going to sit over there and talk about how bad it is. Sit there and talk about how big the enemy is. No, I'm not going to sit over there and complain. You know what I'm going to do? Over Edom, I'm going to cast my shoe. I'm going to put my foot where it belongs. I belong there. I've got hell. I've got up. But I belong there. Somebody say amen. Praise God. It's, it's a concept of it belongs to me. It belongs to me. In Acts 12, after they had beheaded James and and the, the, the Bible talks about how Agrippa saw that it had pleased the Jews. It had crossed over from, from, from against Jewish people, the Edomites. Now it's against Holy Ghost-filled people. And you'll find that, that in this transition, there was an attack to destroy every Christian and, and, and the apostles. And James was beheaded. And, and when James was beheaded, he thought it pleased the Jews. So he said, I'm going to go kill Simon Peter too. This is the New Testament. How many remember that story in Acts 12? I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to move on. But he... he he gets there and the angel comes in to the room to rescue Simon Peter. Let's go back and talk about it just for a minute. While Simon Peter's in prison, I mean, they're having a prayer meeting down at, in, in Cyprus and at Rhoda's house. How many know what I'm talking about? They're having a prayer meeting to pray him out of prison. And while they're praying, he's in prison and the next day they're gonna behead him. But in the middle of the night, an angel comes into that room and says, Peter, the shackles fall off of him. Peter, put your shoes on and come with me. You go read it. Put your shoes on and come with me. Because Simon Peter, it might look like this is the end of the road. But if you can just put your shoes on and put your feet here, what seems like is binding you, you're about to liberate yourself in a step of faith to get what God has for you. Praise God. You've got to learn to sing a song in the night. You've got to learn to take a step of faith when it looks like all else has failed. You've got to start believing it's not over until it's over. I'm going to believe that God's going to bring me through this. And when he did, Brother Melik, he put his shoes, shackles fell off. When he did, he followed the angel. And when he put his shoes on and walked up to the gate, when he walked up to the gate of the prison, you know what the gate of the prison? Better than Walmart. It just said... Because when you start walking in the direction that God has called you to walk, what no man can do, he does. Things start, doors start opening. Miracles start happening. You, you can't just talk about what he's gonna do. At some point, you gotta go in the direction of what he said he's gonna do. I'm telling you what I feel. 
We can't wait on the miracle to happen. The principle of first steps is very simple. He said, if you draw nigh to me, I'm gonna draw nigh to you. Do you believe that? Faith is that way. You don't, you don't wait on God to give. To give, you just give where you're at because he said if you'll give first, you'll step out in faith. He said in Malachi chapter three, chapter three he said if you'll bring your tithes to the storehouse, he said watch what I'll do. I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour a blessing on you that you can't contain. There won't be room enough to receive it. Isn't that what he said? He said prove me. First fruits is not waiting on God to do something before you do. First fruits is saying, I don't have to wait to see if I have enough. I'm just gonna give what God told me to give and guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna take care of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and he'll do it all over again because when you go in the direction of his word, at some point, you gotta stop listening to what the news is saying and start listening to what the spirit is saying. Quit listening to what the family's saying and listen to what the, the spirit is saying. I don't know why I feel this. It doesn't matter what generation you came from. It doesn't matter what background you came from. Grandpa might have been, Grandpa might have been a gambler. Grandpa might have been a rounder. Maybe all you've ever known was chaos. And the devil says, you're just gonna fall into the cycle. You're just gonna repeat and go a little bit deeper. That's what the devil says. That's what Edom says. But I got another report. I'm coming out of that curse. I'm coming out of that mess. I will not be what they were. I'm gonna be better. How many believe you could come out of addiction? You could come out of pain. You could come out of bitterness. You could come out of suffering. If you believe it, clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Praise God. You gotta put your feet on it. You gotta stand in it. You gotta walk in it. You gotta believe what he said is gonna happen. Believe it and it will come to pass. Oh, pastor, I believe, but you don't move toward it. Don't move toward it. Oh, I believe if I repent, I'll be forgiven, but you don't repent. I believe if I get baptized, my sins will be washed away. Believe it, it's not good enough. You gotta go walk in it. Look at your neighbor and say, put your feet in it. Amen. Tell somebody next to you, say, you're about to get wet. Amen. About to get wet. It's the principle of taking the first step. The first step is believing that what God said he's gonna do, he's gonna do. I don't wait on it to happen. I'll walk in the direction he said and then it will happen. What if when he looked at the man in the New Testament, when Jesus looked at the blind man that had been blind from birth, what if he would have looked at him and he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam and you'll be healed. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam and I'll be healed. What if he just repeated what he said? He never got the miracle. What if he said, amen, I believe it, you're exactly right. But never moved in the direction that God called him to move. What if Naaman said, I believe that if I dip seven times just like the man of God said, then I'm gonna be healed of leprosy. It's not just about saying you believe it. It's at some point you gotta do it. You gotta step in the direction of it. Abraham, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do for you, northward, southward, eastward, westward. It's bigger than you, anything you can really fathom. Go look at it, lift your eyes on it, talk about it, think about it, look at it, dream about it, but now go put your feet on it. And if you put your feet on it, you know when God called us to go to 
Crooksville and, and Roseville there. We, we went down there. God called us. We didn't, just, we didn't just talk about it. We went there and had a picnic and a prayer meeting and church service. And we preached under, a, we preached under a, a, one of those neighborhood pavilions. What I didn't know is a guest that showed up there and, and started crying and praying would later be the pastor's wife there. Sister Angel. You see, if you, if you make a, a move toward it, it's not good enough just to hear me talk about it, but you gotta move toward it. I'm not talking about you gotta run after it. You just gotta follow it. My, 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 my. I feel this. There, there's a verse in Job chapter 14, verse four. It says, though a tree be cut down. A tree be cut down all the way to the stump. The tree cut down through the scent of water. It shall spring new life. Not when water hits it, but just water's on the way. <laughs> it's just the smell of it. How many ever smelled a summer breeze and you thought, I can smell the rain coming? It's just the scent of, it's a directional thing. I'm just gonna word it this way. You can be a 100,000 miles away from God. I know that makes no sense. But the Bible says, though they were cast to the othermost parts of the heavens. It's an exaggerated term, meaning you can't get so far from God that he can't reach you. Faith is a directional thing. I want everybody to hear me as I teach you. Mercy is applied in direction. Let me, let me stop here. Abner died the death of a fool because he was in a safe place and turned his back on it and walked one foot out away from the direction he was told to stay in. And Joab put a, a sword in the side lawfully because he was going the wrong direction. But you give me somebody a long ways away from God that realizes they do not need to stay there any longer. All they have to do is turn. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a prodigal son in a far country in a pig pen and you're about to eat stuff that the hogs are eating. All he had to do was turn and start in the right direction and mercy's applied, not based upon how close you are to God, but in which direction you're facing. They can be in a jail cell and turn. All they've got to do is turn. And all of us had a moment in our life we needed to return. I'm just glad God gave you a U-turn, amen. A U-turn. And guess what he did? He said, I think, I think, Sister Rita, you, you, I remember when you got that U-turn. He said, I think I'll go to my father. And guess what? Mercy wasn't applied at the father's house. It was applied in the pig pen when he just made one step. You're trying to wait till you can live perfect, till you get it all together. That's not how you get God's attention. You just give me one step in the right direction. He'll take care of the rest of it. He's gonna do what you cannot do. Oh, clap your hands and praise him in the building. Hallelujah. Somebody shouted Jesus' name. The Bible says he orders our steps in his word. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him that he will 
Direct your path. Let's go on, Psalms 119. That word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Why is it talking about the shoe? What's he talking about the feet? What's he saying? Because direction matters. Your feet are a product of your faith. If we could track you today, where are you going? Where are you going? Boy, that sure is a, he said there's a promised land, but that, that's a, that, that river's flooding. Because during the harvest, it floods out of its banks the whole season of the harvest. It's, the fields are, are wet. The fields, I mean, it's a wide river now. Jordan has widened. It's out of its banks. And, and, and on the other side of the Jordan is what God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the land of the promised land. And everybody said the promised land. It's my promise. There's a house for me there. There's prosperity for me there. There's, there, there's, there's a heritage for me there. There's, there's something that God has prepared for me there. They didn't have to go there and build houses. When they got there, there were houses already built. Can I tell you some things right now? Some of you are so close to the greatness of God, but you put your miracles, your prosperity, your blessing, whatever that you envision, God has told you. You've got it so far away that you picture yourself stomping out the mortar and gathering the mud and putting in the straw and trying to build it yourself. But I'm not talking about something you're building. I'm talking about something that's been built for you. It's already taken care of. Can I say he did it at the cross? He paid for it at Calvary. Oh, I feel like preaching for a few more minutes. Your healing's already taken care of. Come on, that spouse has already been determined. That miracle with your baby has already been prophesied. It's going to come to pass. You just gotta believe. Somebody shout, it's here. I want you to look at three or four people and take a moment and say, God's, God's gonna bless me. God's gonna help me. Do you believe that? Listen, I preach a lot on conviction. I preach a lot on repentance. Number one, watch message probably in our archives when I preach about what about hell. I believe in eternity. I believe that, but I know what I feel right now. There is a call of God. God never pushes you to anything. He always pulls you to where he is. Always. God's not gonna send you somewhere. Amen. He is gonna pull you to where he is. Somebody say amen. And what you gotta do, you gotta start walking to where he already is. You're not gonna show up there and he's gonna sit back and say, let's see how long I can make him suffer. Huh? Because with God, all things are possible. Amen, I'm not by myself. The unlimited, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God is right there with me. And when I take a step in his direction, he's gonna do what nobody else can do. He's gonna fix what nobody else can fix. Years of chaos, years of turmoil, years, I'm gonna preach this out of this room, amen. I'm gonna preach every bit of distress out of this house because God can take care of it. God can heal you. God can fix the marriage. God can fix the family. God can fix it. He can fix it. Praise God. Somebody shout, he can fix it. Here's, here's the issue. There's a Jordan River that's flooded between me and what God has spoke to us generationally. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. And here we are. We are standing, we are standing here. And God speaks to Joshua. 
Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose 12 men, one man out of every tribe. Is there anybody here tired of dealing with distress? I'm gonna take a little further. Anybody tired of dealing with distressed people? Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't wanna deal with distressed people, but tired of seeing people stay in distress. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose 12 men, one from every tribe, 12 tribes. What he was saying was, I want every family represented. Every tribe, everybody, every person, every family in the church represented what's about to happen. Somebody say, everybody get involved. And they pulled out 12 leaders. He said, here's what I want you to do. Tell the children of Israel to stay back about, I think it was 2,000 cubits. Tell the priest to put the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulder and have them to come to the brim of the water. The brim of the water. Because every promise of God doesn't start in waters to swim in. It starts in shallow water to walk in. I feel this. Some of you want to live for God, but you've got this, this image of perfection that think, you think you have to be to be accepted by God. And it's not true. I live for God when I get it all together. Never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. I'm gonna tell you what I feel in the spirit. Some of you are waiting on moves, waiting on strength, waiting on perfection, waiting on something before you move toward him. Some people in the church have been in the church a while. There's a new calling, a, a new level of measure. God's asking you to come, but you, you, you just don't trust yourself to go there because you don't feel you're good enough for that call of God. And so you stand reverent and idle. Not that you don't believe in Him. You just don't believe in you. He said, but Joshua, I'm going to do something. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I'm, I want the families to be involved with what I'm about to do. Hold them back at 2,000 cubits. Personally, I believe the reason is because he wanted them to be able to see the miracle as a whole. He wanted them to see how, how big of a miracle it's going to be. Because sometimes right in it, you can't see everything around it. You know, Brother Nehemiah preached a powerful message last Sunday night on the eye of the storm. I, I, don't, I don't know how y'all think, but I just think God can see the whole earth at the same time. How many remember he preached on the eye of the storm? Quote, I. On Tuesday, the Weather Channel, I have a weather app on my phone, put out a video that said, you gotta watch out for the eye storms. I, quote, I, quote, I. They're always the worst. And he preaches one Sunday before this, there's an eye in the midst of the storm. Today, an article came out, my dad told me. And he said, they said, the eye of this storm is so defined perfectly. It's a perfect eye. And the hurricane that's getting ready to hit New Orleans. 16 years to the day that it hit years ago, it's a bad storm. And what he was preaching to us in prophetic terminology was that no matter what you're going through, there's a God that you can go to in the midst of a storm. And it's a perfect eye. When my life's not perfect, he's the perfect eye. 
He's the I am that I am. He's the I will be everything you need me to be. If you can't live holy, I'll be the holy that you need. If you can't be here, I'll be the healing that you, you believe that he can believe whatever we need him to be. Somebody say amen. Oh, clap your hands and praise him for a moment. I'm almost finished. Praise the name of God. Somebody shout, there's an I in my storm. You believe, I believe his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, which was, which is to come the Almighty. I believe that he can do miracles when it looks like it's impossible. I feel this today. Quit talking about how wide the river is. Quit talking about how great the distance is between you and that prophecy. How hopeless it seems. How negative. Don't do that. You just listen to what the preacher's saying. And Joshua said, I need 12 men that are willing to put their ankles in the brim, to step into the brink. I just need some people that'll carry the word with them. And he said, when you do, he said, when you step into the brim of the water, it's what God told Joshua to tell the people. When they step into the brink of the water, ankle deep, when they just get one, uh, just a few inches in the right direction, he said, I am gonna cause the river to stop flowing. I'm gonna make it come up as a heap, as a wall. Every water that's in the soil is gonna continue flowing to the Dead Sea, to the Salt Sea. It's gonna flow out and the, and the place that they're gonna cross is gonna be firm, solid, dry ground. I am gonna make a way for them to get to their destiny of what I prophesied to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm gonna do it through you. And I come to preach to you. Some of you have prophecies hanging over your family. You got prophecies hanging and callings hanging over your, over your spirit. And there's a river in front of you called Jordan. But can I tell you today, if you will hear the word of the Lord, you are step away from a breakthrough. You are one first step away from a miracle. You are one first step away from a healing. One first step away from turning things around. All you gotta do is step out. Would you stand to your feet and clap your hands and say, take a first step. Take a first step. Take a first step. Hallelujah. Hey man, remain standing. Brother McClure, we don't have 20 years to wait on the newcomer to get the fullness of truth to let them operate in faith. We don't have time for that, Brother Corey, to wait on people to get a theological degree before they can actually do something for God. It's not my knowledge of scripture imperfection that causes God to use me because of my tenure in the church. It's my willingness to follow his spirit and to go the direction that he is going, that he can use me and he can use you. There's a man in the Bible, he said this, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. He didn't have revelation of him. All he knew is I was blind, but he healed me. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. I'm preaching to you. You can come out of your circumstance. You can be changed today. Somebody shout glory. I wish there was a hearty amen in this building. Miracles and one step forward. <laughs> Dope on your breath. You said, I'm sick of it. I think I'll go to the master. And just like that, something starts turning. Something starts changing. I've watched it so many times. Hey man, 
you, you know, you never know who you're sitting beside or standing beside in church. You know that? You never know who's beside you. My dad said one time, he said, you, you might be sitting beside an old horse thief. You don't know. Car thief. Whatever. You don't know you're sitting beside that it doesn't matter. We all had to come out of distress. And Brother Mealy, the Bible says in the city of Adam at a place called, it's called uh, Zaratan. In that place, Zaratan means distress. Distress means anxiety. Distress means hurt and wounded. Distress means fearful. He didn't just choose any place, he chose that place. You know why? Because in the midst of your distress, if you'll just go in the right direction. Some of you are waiting on God to push you. He's calling you, not pushing you. You got to go to where he is. Well, I don't feel that emotion. You don't have to feel emotion. You just got to trust his word. I said, trust his word. You said it. I believe it. You said it. It is done. You said it. So I believe it. You said it. It is done. You said Come on, there's miracles in the building. I believe. Step out and receive that healing. You Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.